everybody. This is Think Global, where we like to say the world is our home, where strangers become friends and friends become family. John, we're back together again. This is the monthly edition of Think Global. This is for the month of March. Yeah, How I'm are excited. you, man? I'm great. I was just thinking, I feel like it's been a while since we've done this, but I think just a lot has happened between then and now, but it's great to be back. Right. And you know what, man? We are approaching the first day of spring. Oh, gosh. I can't coming wait. Coming up. And just in case you don't know the first day of spring, March 20th. All right. And as we record this, uh, daylight savings begins uh, in like three or four days. That's right. And even as we're recording this with spring coming, we have a winter storm taking place outside. So we got a lot of snow on the the roads, all over our um, cars. So we're just kind of, uh, we're, we're, Anxious for spring here in Colorado. Uh, such is life here. In, yes. All right. John, what are we doing, man? Well, we're going to continue this series we've been doing for the last couple of episodes um, called Things We Didn't Know, where we look at what's happening in some different countries around the world that maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't, but we try to look below the surface just a little bit of maybe some things that we didn't know um, about those countries. And so this month, we want to jump into the country of Morocco, all right. which you know I think it has a lot of uh, people have a certain mindset about Morocco, or they maybe they see certain images when they hear the word Morocco. I know I do. Uh, but we're going to go below the surface a little bit. I'm All excited right. about it. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I, I mean, both of us have traveled to Morocco extensively. And quite frankly, it's one of those places, um, when I get to visit Morocco, I get excited about oh, it. I love it. You know, sometimes, I mean, it's all for work, right? And um, sometimes um, you go to a places and it's work. It's just flat out work. Uh, going to Morocco, um, it has a way of engaging your senses in ways that may, many other countries don't. And so it's, it's one of those places that I love to travel to. And I think all of our listeners, if they ever get a chance, would absolutely love Morocco. Yeah. So we're, we're going to talk a little bit about um, some of our experiences there. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some hospitality there, some parts of the culture there. But first, maybe we should set the stage a little bit right. of uh, some context around the country of Morocco, right. just to paint a picture. So, um, you know, 37 million people live in the country of Morocco. Um, you know, we're talking earlier about the, it's the land of the Berbers, right? Explain that for us really quick. All right. The, uh, the land of the Berbers, uh, the Berber, uh, ethnic group, they were basically the first people to live in, uh, Morocco. They're the descendants of the first Moroccans. Um, they're a very unique people with their own culture, their own very unique and beautiful look. Um, and uh, they add to the cultural dynamic of of Morocco. Yeah, and if and if you don't know where Morocco is geographically, maybe find Spain and just right. go below it just right. a little bit. Yeah, actually, Morocco. Uh, they've they're surrounded by the uh, sub-Saharan. Um, next door is Algeria. Um, on one part of their uh, country, it's the Atlantic Ocean, and then also on the Mediterranean Sea. So it's kind of a, it's really a cool mix of of places. And by the way, um, if you want to see something beautiful about Morocco that just pops into my brain, look up the Blue City in Morocco. Um, it's, I've not been there. It's on my wish list to travel there. It's sometimes kind of, it's kind of difficult because there's so many people there and there's limited space for where you can stay. But the Blue City, look it up. Uh, pretty much is blue, and it's really uh, it's really a fun little tour, visual tour, even uh, on your computer. So I would encourage people to do that. It gives you a flavor of of a little bit of the life of 
Morocco and what it's like. Um, and and by the way, uh, you said Spain. Yeah. Spain happens to be only nine miles away from uh, of Morocco, and that's because of the Strait of Gibraltar. Right. And uh, so it's really a cool little dynamic there. Just to you know, people don't realize that North Africa is that close. Mm-hmm. To the European continent, so right. a big deal. Yeah, anyway, it's pretty cool. Yeah, um, you know, a few things just coming out of Morocco that people probably know about, maybe don't know about: dates, olives, argan oil. Uh, tell us a little bit about argan oil, I, because I was, we were talking about argan oil, and I was like, you know, I had to kind of look it up myself. Yeah. I know I've heard of it, I've used it, but it's like, where, where is argan oil? Like, yeah. so argan oil comes from trees that grow in Morocco, and that's a part of what's made them famous. And here's another little sidebar note. Actually, look it up online again. There are goats that climb the argon trees. Oh, that's right. Yes. So it's not, um, they didn't fabricate it online. Actually, I was traveling down a road with a buddy in uh, Morocco. He was totally unaware of that, of that uh, dynamic there. And all of a sudden, he shouted out real loud, there are goats in the trees. <laughs> and so the driver stopped, and sure enough, there they were. I got a lot of pictures of it. But these yeah. goats climb argon trees, and they eat the, the argon bean that's, uh, that's in the tree. But anyway, argon oil. But if you look up those goats, it looks Photoshopped. We should, it's not Photoshopped. We should admit that you're going to look this up, and you're going to think, oh, that's Photoshopped. We, right. it, we say it looks Photoshopped, but it's not. It's not Photoshopped. And in fact, moms and dads, look it up. Show your kids what goats can actually Pretty cool. do. It's really cool to see it. But anyway, Argon Oil. Argon Oil. Um, it's one of uh, – Morocco is one of the largest uh, exporters of Argon Oil. Uh, it's used for a variety of reasons from lotion. It's, it's very good for the skin. Um, it's an oil that's often found in your – hair products, uh, things like that. Some Sometimes people take straight argon oil and just a little bit between uh, both hands and then massage into your hair. Actually, it keeps your hair looking beautiful. So argon oil, uh, Morocco is uh, famous for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, let's, let's jump into a little bit about Morocco. Uh, that kind of sets the stage, but let's talk about some of our experiences, some of the really cool things about Morocco that we love. And, uh, you know, one of the first things that comes to mind for me is the Medina in right. Fez, Morocco, which right. we've both been to. Uh, you were just there recently, actually, I think. So let's talk about that Medina a little bit, because I think, what is a Medina, first of all, if people have never seen one, been to one, we probably should paint a picture. Right. So a Medina uh, in North Af- Africa, what you'll find is that um, they're the ancient cities, uh, ancient Arab cities where really all of life was contained. And you can, you know, if you go down into those medinas and you have someone explaining to you what uh, what it is, um, there it, it is one of the most fascinating visits you'll make into an old city surrounded by a city wall. And there are streets. Let's just talk specifically about Fez uh, Medina. Like how many streets are there in that place? You know, about 9,000 streets go through there. And so... It's common that the joke would be you can get lost in. It's not a joke, actually. You can get lost in there quite easily. Nine thousand right. streets. It covers about five hundred and forty acres. I mean, it's a massive place. It's right. it's one of the largest and most well preserved medinas in the world. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. I mean, it is a sight to behold for right. sure. Yeah, and actually, um, it's it's like a maze. Yeah, I mean, literally nine thousand streets. 
It's a maze. And when you're walking down the streets, they can be, you know, maybe you, you can have two to three people walking side by side. Right. But there's activity in those streets. There are people uh, delivering goods on motorbikes. And what really is fascinating, when a donkey walks your way, <laughs> pulling a cart, and you got to back up against the walls. Right. Um, because life is taking place in the Medina. Yeah, there's vendors selling everything yeah. from from meats and vegetables to spices and perfumes. I mean, there's just there's activity going on. That's right. Everywhere. And that's partially why you can't fit very many people through the walkway. There's right. vendors lining the walkways. Right. And, and then off to the sides, there's a side street and an alley. They There's no real grid or rhyme or reason. It's just streets and alleyways everywhere. Exactly right. And what people have to imagine, so you, you need to imagine this, that you're standing on one of these streets and if you look up, you know, they can, the, the walls on either side of the street, which are basically behind it, are the homes of people or the bakery or the hammam or, uh, or a vegetable place or whatever it is. There are these walls on both sides of this street and they can go from 30 to 50 to 60 feet high. All you actually see above you is just the blue sky. So finding North southeast west is not an easy thing to do because you're surrounded by walls and that's why it's so challenging but that's that's also what makes it so incredibly amazing and unique and very different life takes place from the mosque to the school to where people live uh, all in the context of their little neighborhood their little neighborhood in the context of a very large medina so that's really cool yeah it's cool you know one one tip that i was given when i was there in the medina was um, if you're going downhill, you're going deeper and deeper into the Medina. If you need to get out, just go uphill. As That's long right. as you're walking uphill and, you know, it kind of feels like a climb at some points. I mean, you know, you're going uphill That's when right. you're going uphill. And when you're walking uphill, you're on your way out. So yeah. however many turns you need to make, as long as you're going uphill, you'll eventually get out of that. Thing. That's right. So if you ever go to Medina, you heard it here first. I have showed you the way. And be warned, <laughs> wear comfortable shoes because... <laughs> Uh, like if your goal is 10,000 steps a day, you're going to, you're going to hit 20,000 oh, uh, yeah. in your visit to a Medina. So yeah. it's, it's intense. Yeah. So anyway, another part of Morocco is, is their leather. Like yes. actually people don't realize their leather is actually very, very valuable. And actually inside that Medina in Fez is a tannery, a leather tannery. That's what they're called, uh, where they make leather. It's one of the, probably one of the largest that makes some really nice leather goods. Let's talk about that place. Cause it's. Fascinating. Unique. It <laughs> is very fascinating. Actually, uh, it is an old tannery. And by the way, Moroccan leather is some of the most valued leather in the world, uh, the way they treat it, the way they produce it, uh, and create incredible um, outfits, jackets, gloves, whatever. They've got briefcases. It's fascinating. But inside the, this uh, tannery, um, as you enter, often they will give you a, a bunch of mint leaves um, not for eating, but <laughs> rather to put onto your nose uh, and around your nose because the smell in the tannery is one of the most obnoxious smells you'll ever smell. And, um, and there are dudes out there just working in it all day. Um, and they take pigeon droppings, and uh, that's a lot of pigeon, mm -hmm. but they take pigeon droppings. It's a part of the process of curing and processing the leather into becoming what it really is. And so that's why there's that intense smell yeah. that's obnoxious. But, you know, with the mint leaves around your nose, it's tolerable, but <laughs> it's not a place you want to hang out too long. But these people, 
they're working in it day in and day out all of their life. Yeah. Uh, incredible. It's a spectacle for sure. You yeah. kind of go up these stairs and you, you go down this walkway and you can kind of look down into the tannery and kind of watch the process, watch people work in. And yeah. You have your mint leaves. You kind of keep up near your nose. To That's right. It, just to tolerate it. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. So even as you're out there, look up, Google the tannery in Fez, Morocco. You can see a little bit more about that. Yeah. It's just fascinating. There's tons to learn of pictures about. and videos yeah. out there. Everybody can find it. So, okay. Another thing is the housing in Morocco, which I wanted you to talk about it because you've actually stayed in these a lot. Like the, the traditional housing is called a Riyadh. Yes. And so how about you describe a Riyadh and describe your experiences in a Riyadh? Because what we want to get into is um, the hospitality factor of Morocco right. and um, how it is a very hospitable culture. But I think that starts even in some of your experiences right. in Riyadh. So it's, describe a Riyadh and then... All right. So really, uh, so people in Morocco, they live in, uh, many of them live in apartments. You know, it's an apartment complex. Uh, a lot of folks have homes and there's some very nice, beautiful homes there, villas that people have. Um, and um, and then there's something called a Riyadh. And a Riyadh, uh, often what you find are um, Riyadhs in these... Um, in these medinas, it's in it's, it's inside the walls that you're as you're walking down a street in between mm. walls. What <clears throat> you're often surprised by is there is behind a wooden simple door. You open it up and you walk into a riad, uh, and they're all across the scale from a two star to a ten star, whatever you want to call it. Um, but these riads can be one of the most charming, fascinating, enjoyable places. Mm. Uh, to spend a night, two nights, five nights, depending on what your your schedule is. But you walk in to a small door, um, and immediately you go into where the the desk or the reception desk is, just a little get up right there. And then as you walk in, typically there's a small pool uh, right in the middle of this riotic, and it's not there's you're not going to do laps. You're just going <laughs> to jump in and get wet, um, and then. Uh, floor one, there's probably four suites. Floor two, another four suites. Four th- floor three, another few suites. And then on the very top, um, there are canopies, tent-like canopies, where you go to spend the early hours of the day because it's hot, and the latter uh, part of the day. Um, and I have had multiple occasions where the sun is setting, you smell things cooking, all over because you're on top of this riad. You hear the noise, you hear the call to prayer, and you enjoy an incredible meal that has been prepared by the cook or the chef in that riad. And typically, the rooms in the in the in the nicer riads that have been fixed up, you know, a business person buys it, they renovate it, they have a host that takes care of it. But typically, the suites uh, for a very good value. Uh, are just incredible. It's the the old architecture. It's the uh, it's the very Moroccan feel, um, and it's absolutely delightful. That's some of my great memories again of traveling to Morocco. Is that you get to stay in in a Riyadh, uh, and and typically very private, uh, very boutique like. Uh, not a lot of people there, just spending their time. So I I do love. A Riyadh. I, I hate to say in a hotel when I'm in Morocco. My preference is <laughs> put me in a Riyadh because I want to hang out in those places, especially in the middle of a Medina, uh, where behind a normal concrete wall hmm. is this opulent, beautiful Riyadh where you can spend time and enjoy your mornings with a breakfast, enjoy your evenings with a dinner hmm. that 
is unlike any other experience. Some of, again, some of my great memories are from the, one of those places. Yeah. Well, sign me up. Let's go yeah. to Morocco. That's right, man. That sounds that sounds lovely. Hey, uh, well, hey, I was going to say one other thing about Morocco too. Yeah. By the way, Hollywood loves Morocco. Oh, that's right. Yes. Like um, they have gone there and made which movies? Uh, like Gladiator. Many people have seen Gladiator. Uh, Prince of Persia. If you haven't yes. seen that one, Inception. Yes. Actually, I didn't know that one. Um, I didn't know Inception was filmed there. Um, Mission Impossible yeah. with our friend Tom Cruise. That's right. That was- <laughs> yeah, our good friend. And, it, and so if you go there, you see that, right? You see why That's Hollywood cool. loves that country yeah. and why they love to produce uh, movies from that yeah, country. Yeah, really cool. I love that. And then uh, another fun fact, we're going to get into some of the hospitality and some of the things about, about Morocco that we love, but this is another fun fact, is that they were the first country to recognize uh, the U.S., uh, Declaration of Independence, right? Or the independence of the the country of right that we live in. Yeah. So in December the twentieth, seventeen seventy seven, a year and a year and a half later, after we declared yeah. our independence, yeah. they recognized us, yeah. which is really cool. What for, a great history for those who failed U.S. history. The the Declaration of Independence was signed in seventeen seventy six. That was the founding of our country. So right, a year and a half later. That's, That's pretty right. cool. I yeah. love that. It's really it is really awesome. And okay. by the way, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Morocco is a um, monarchy so they have a king yeah and so it was the king who recognized that they still have a king very loved by the people there. oh yeah oh yeah okay let's talk about the hospitality of the people you know we get to go there and we spend time with local people that's one of the things we love about travel we talked about that a lot on this podcast is the people and so what is it about this the hospitality that stands out um that's unique and specific to morocco right well if you go um almost anywhere and you're going into the home of someone or you're going to these riads, one of the first acts of hospitality is to have you sit down in a comfortable couch-like uh, setup around the walls of a, of a basic room, and you sit down, and one of the first things they want to do is serve you mint tea, mm. which is incredible. It is incredible. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah. I mean, the mint tea, It's uh, the brewing process, which we, we've watched, is actually one of the unique parts of it, because as you sit there... They come in and part of the ritual, if you will, is that they brew this tea in front of you. And the way they do it is they're pouring it back and forth and sometimes from a a large height, you know, they could be a foot or two above where they're pouring and they're pouring it back and forth. And, and while it's, it can be for show and oftentimes we have our cameras out and we're trying to take a video of it or whatever, it's actually part of the brewing process. Mm -hmm. They're they're trying to create this foam on top of the tea. And so um, there is a scientific reason for it, but it also just so happens to be very interesting to right. watch them pour this tea. And so they pour it back and forth, and then they serve it. And so right. uh, the last thing you want to do is refuse that tea, right? even if you're not a tea drinker. Um, I, admittedly, I'm not much of a tea drinker. I'm a coffee person. But tea in these parts of the world, Morocco, Iraq, other places where tea is a big part of the culture, it's actually really, really good. Yeah. And so they took this tea... Um, it was actually imported uh, or brought over from Europe. A guy was trying to sell it, couldn't sell it. The Moroccans ended up buying it. I'm telling the short version of yeah. the story, my anecdotal version of the story. Uh, he, they ended up buying it in Morocco. They add mint leaves to it to give it their own flavor, and now we have Moroccan mint tea. That's right. So um, it's actually delicious. Yeah, and that pouring back and forth, and when they pour it into your cup, often, again, for show, but it's a part of the process, they will um, take the teapot and start near your cup and then they will raise it anywhere from two to three feet above the cup as they're still pouring it. And what it does is it aerates the tea. And as it aerates the tea, that's where that foam comes in. Uh, and in your tea, you'll find mint leaves, 
uh, that are there. So it's fresh mint. They've just picked the mint probably from their little pots around the Riyadh. Um, they've put that in your tea. You can drink it just straight with no sugar, or you can add a, a cube of sugar or two cubes of sugar, however you want it. They're going to serve it to you. But that is their that one moment of symbolic hospitality. Yeah. And, you know, in that culture, um, alcohol is not part of the culture typically. And so this is their social beverage of choice. Right. So they, they drink, just culturally, they drink this tea all day long. Right. And all across the country. And right. so, but as a guest in their country, this is how they show their hospitality. Right. That's and right. It's the first thing you're going to get when you walk into somebody's home or even a business. Even if you're trying to do a business deal, mm-hmm. the first thing they're going to do is try to serve you tea. That's and right. It's... Uh, quite impolite to refuse it. Right. It might kill your business deal. That's if you, right. If you refuse the tea. Or your friendship. <laughs> or your here's, friendship. here's what I find fascinating. In the places where I've stayed for a Riyadh, where you stay for two nights, three nights, um, the person, the host who who's actually managing, watching over that Riyadh, um, he or she, they, they pour it. Uh, typically for me, it's been a, it's been a he has poured it. Um, and in pouring it, conversations start explanations are given um and and what here's what we find uh, and it's it's what this podcast is all about over that symbolic act of hospitality of pouring you the tea doing it from their traditional perspective a stranger over a day or two or three actually becomes a friend and often um, I have found you know that personal email from them after I leave an email back from me to them thanking them for it. But what they have done in that one act of hospitality is they've bridged a little bit of the cultures, my culture with their culture. Um, and it has created a sense of moving from a stranger to a friend. And so that's the idea, right? Like that's what Moroccan tea, it, it's symbolic of hospitality for those who visit that country. Right. And and that's the point you wanted to get to, is that's that right. we're not just talking about tea for the sake of tea, but that symbolic gesture of bridging that gap, cultural gap and friendship gap, and it brings people in closer. And that's so, right. And that's, and that's we have our own little, uh, uh, you know, ideals of building that yeah. act of hospitality. A new neighbor, a neighbor uh, moves in, so we do something as a gesture, an act of kindness, and it begins to develop a friendship by a show of hospitality, yeah. which we need to be yeah. hospitable people. I love that. Yeah. Um, just an interesting fact about the tea is actually does it's not grown or it's not grown in Morocco. It's right. imported from China. It's actually a black tea, right? Uh, from China. So that's actually interesting. They're the largest importer of that tea yeah. because it's such a big part of the culture. But right. it's a big part of the culture because hospitality is a big part of the culture. Yeah. So you have to see that those two are interlinked together, even among the locals. If I'm just going out. Socially, I'm having tea with my neighbor, tea with my friend. But then as us, foreigners coming in, we're served tea as a show of hospitality. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, so Morocco, Love fascinating it. country. You need to visit if you can. You will not regret visiting Morocco and understanding a little bit more about their culture, their habits, and most importantly, their hospitality. Yes. Anyway, and we will have some links on this uh, podcast for you to look at the recipe or even to YouTube, a process of Moroccan mint tea. Yeah, let's put a link to show them pouring that back and forth so you can kind of see or visualize what we're talking about. And, you know, one thing I haven't mentioned in a few episodes, though, if you ever have a question or a comment or you want to just leave us a note, we have a way to do that on our website. If you go to letsthinkglobal.com. 
there's a contact button in the top right. And then there's actually a button where you can record a question, like a little voicemail and send it to us. And we might include it on the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Yep. Um, nobody has taken us up on that yet. Although I know people are listening to the podcast, but they haven't actually sent us yeah. a message. But we would love to do questions on the podcast or just hear your feedback from the episode. So you can do that at letsthinkglobal.com. That would be fun. It would be great for us. Wouldn't that be fun? Hey, so again, the whole purpose of this these podcasts are to pull back the curtain on the world, to, to see things we've never seen before because we tend to focus just on our little neighborhood, our little towns, our cities, uh, my life. This world is a big place with a lot of great people. Um, and it's a chance to connect with the world, even in the midst of a situation like this, where we we see war around the world, uh, you know the tragedy of it. I think understanding countries gives us a heart for the people uh, who live there. So that's what uh, that's what we're encouraging you to do. So we're pulling back the curtain on what it's like to live on planet Earth. Uh, and again, this is Think Global, and it's a it's a podcast devoted to. Uh, where the world is our home, where strangers become friends and friends become family. So uh, for the month of March, all the best to you guys. This is Tim Davis signing off with Jonathan Smith. And uh, we'll talk to them next month. Thanks. Thanks.